This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, episode 75, with guest Dr. Vivian Carl. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Savorova, and welcome to the show. Driven by a clear mission to make intimate health a socially acceptable topic and improve the well-being of women, Dr. Vivian Carl has built a brand that offers natural and science-based intimate care product for women. From the emotional roller coaster of financing rounds and to winning over Tina Müller, the former CEO of Douglas, as one of her angel investors, Vivian turned her dream into a reality. In this episode, she speaks about the challenges she faced as a pharmacist, transitioning into entrepreneur, navigating the startup scene in Berlin, and how she acquired the business skills to succeed in her founder journey. So how do you become a founder without the typical business background? How do you break taboos surrounding intimate health and build a brand that women, doctors, and pharmacists trust? Listen in to this episode. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to rate it on Spotify, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or simply share it with a friend. Vivian, welcome today to the studio. Today we'll talk about intimate care and how a pharmacist with a doctorate background turned into a founder. So I'm super excited about it and thank you so much for coming to the studio. Thank you so much, Daria, for having me. Can you tell me a bit more about like where you're coming from? Because you have a medical background, you have experience as a pharmacist, and all of it was before you became entrepreneur and a founder. So tell me more. Yeah, that's a crazy story. So actually, <laughs> I'm a that's PhD. That's great. I'm like, bring crazy stories <laughs> to the show. I'm on it. Always good, right? So actually, I'm a PhD pharmacist and I never, ever wanted to found a startup. What does it mean, PhD pharmacist? I have a PhD in pharmacy. Like, I studied pharmacy. I'm a pharmacist and beside that, worked in a pharmacy. <laughs> More like that. During my time in the pharmacy, I experienced that so many women have issues in their intimate areas. So, so many women came to me in the pharmacy and said like, do you have a natural intimate cream against my vaginal dryness? And I was so like, when did you ever get into the topic of vaginal dryness when you are 26? Like never. And that was the first time when I really got into reading what the creams, what ingredients are in there, stuff like that. So I stuck myself into that topic and experienced that I wanted really to develop a cream that really fit my high needs as a scientist and then developed a cream, an intimate cream mm -hmm. against vaginal dryness. The woman tested them out with a doctor that was above our pharmacy, actually, and they were just overwhelmed. They oh, wanted wow. to buy this cream. And I was like, okay, that's a sign. Maybe I should do more about it. And that time I, was, I also heard podcasts around startup finance, stuff like this. I always loved the startup entrepreneurs that were talking, that has so much fire, so much energy. And I really saw myself in these personalities. And then I was like, oh my God, maybe that's the thing I should do because I always was kind of searching for my passion during that time. Never really wanted to go um, work in the pharmacy or in the pharmacy well, industry. Why did you study that in the first place then? Yeah, that's a good question because actually I didn't got into medical studies. So I just started pharmacy studies and I was thinking like so strategically that okay in Germany what's the difference between so we understand medical studies and pharmacy isn't it the same no university no, no not at all so no? um, okay. in medical studies uh, so you get a doctor so you study medicine getting a doctor and when you study pharmacy you are getting a pharmacist so you are a drug expert let's say that I just thought okay when you study pharmacy you always have a safe job for sure you um, have and the critical situations have enough money to even raise like family and stuff like this alone. 
that was just really, really strategically thinking of me, of myself to just study pharmacy. Mm -hmm. So I did it, but never saw myself in the pharmacy industry. And that's also why I did a PhD, because after even five years, I didn't even know what to do with myself. So just started a PhD. And I was so lucky that the idea of um, doing premium intimate care products just like it got into my to way. Be. But yeah. I mean, that, you, that it's fascinating. That means you're extremely customer focused because being a pharmacist, you interact with a lot of people. A lot of people come to you basically saying like, we have X, Y, Z problems. Uh -huh. But most of the time you can take it as a, oh, this is my day to day job. You kind of filter it out. But the fact that it kept on making you sing, uh -huh. like uh -huh. maybe I need to solve this. I'm fascinated by that. I mean, it's just hit me. It just was like, okay, these women wanted a natural, very, very high quality cream. And I looked at the cosmetic products in the pharmacy and there are so premium brands in the pharmacy who do creams for the face. And I thought, why don't you do these creams for your intimate parts, for the most sensitive parts? Like women in their best ages have issues with their intimate parts. And these women have to use creams that are negatively associated, something like this. And they always felt very intimidated when they bought these creams. And I was like, okay, let's do a cream they are proud of to place in their bathroom. And they have very high quality ingredients. And yeah, that was just like When we talk start. about those women, like do we talk about a specific age group? Actually, yes, that time because the pharmacy was under doctors who are doing laser therapy on women that have vulva dryness, a vaginal dryness. And these women were in the first place, they were like older women. And that's why I experienced the first time that elderly women have this vaginal dryness. Are we talking so, like 50, 60? Yes. Can we talk more about like how were your first steps looking like back then? Because as I understand, you were working part-time, you were uh, getting your PhD, and then you started developing the formula, right? Right. Was it overwhelming? What did you think of? What were the steps? I mean, also from a business perspective, how do you knew what to do? So you developed the formula, what's next? How do you manage all of it? Where were you at? When you hear the story now, you must think it must have been a plan behind it, like going on like step by step by step. But at this time, not... It didn't feel like that. I just did what really felt right at that time. And what felt right was going to my boss back then in the pharmacy and told him, okay, I have a business idea. I want to develop a cream for the intimate parts with hyaluronic acid. And that was the first time he was laughing at me, like Is hyaluronic acid and an intimate cream. I was like, yes, the best shit ever. So can I? maybe I can develop it in the pharmacy after my shift on the weekends at night. Maybe I can do it here. And he was like, yeah, do what you want. So that was the first thing I, I did. And then developed the cream late night at the weekend after my shifts. And it was a crazy time because I was so overworked. Worked a lot, a lot because I did a full-time PhD, worked at night shift in the pharmacy and developed the cream and had no clue about business at all. I oh just boy. followed my instincts. Because what you also have to know is that I don't have parents or family who are in business or friends who are in business doing a startup. I had no contact or network in business at all. I was just alone by myself. And that is also, you have to overcome this obstacle of, of insecurities in terms of, am I enough? Am I a person who can do this? That was really hard in the first place, but never did I um, thought, I'm stopping doing what I'm doing right now. So just followed my heart, didn't 
really tell many people about it. Almost no people at all at the beginning. How just come? Because they usually say like, hey, if you're starting something, it's good to bounce the idea to get the feedback. I didn't really had people who could get me like business feedback on the yeah. topic. People were told what I'm doing. They just thought I was crazy. Like you would do your PhD. You have a straight good path into the career of the pharmacy industry. Like you can earn a lot of money and um, have a really good job at the pharmacy industry. I was um, not eager to tell people what I'm doing in the first place. <laughs> oh so just did it by myself. Also, when I applied for an accelerator, and I first never told people what I'm doing in Berlin when I first got going to Berlin. So never told people at work. And um, when I went to Berlin for two weeks, I told them I'm on vacation. And <laughs> if I would tell my doctoral place where I would work, what I'm doing, they would think I was crazy. So. That was, undercover. that was, yeah, it was very undercover, but it felt so exciting because I was in this state of um, new experiencing stuff. And I really that time found my passion and it was, it came so naturally. Everything came so naturally because it was the first time in my life I really had a passion about something and it felt so good. And I really wish for everybody to find this passion because I had just such a drive and such a good gut feeling that brought me here where I am right now. Yeah. I love hearing it. I'm getting, I'm getting like super excited. Like, oh, I need to also get, create a product. And I feel like this also the idea of that actually creating a consumer product, something you can see, hold, that also gives a sense of responsibility because you know that someone will use it. So you have to double check, you have to get the consumer feedback. But that's also what is really rewarding. You see this effect immediately almost. Speaking of the business part, and you realize you were lacking the knowledge when it came to basic business administration things. How did you educate yourself on that? That's a very good question. I get this question so many times because I have the feeling that so many people and women especially do have good ideas, but don't um, get into doing, you know what I mean? Because they don't know where to start. And what I did, I went into the internet, <laughs> like what you're doing in 2023 or 2021 back then. And um, I was searching for networks and I was searching on LinkedIn. I did my LinkedIn profile, started my LinkedIn profile back then the first time. And I followed very cool entrepreneurs back then. And I was looking like, how did they start and what communities are they? And then I experienced or I got to know that you can attend accelerators. So accelerators, like they help you following your business ideas, stuff like this. I read about the Grace Accelerator and this is a very um, cool accelerator here in Berlin for women especially. And I was so naively, I just uh, signed myself up for the Grace Accelerator and luckily they got me into the program. There's, is there a selection process? to Yeah, get there is a, okay. a long selection process actually, I think. They had over 300 applications and I, I mean, it was so lucky to get there because I got there and it's always a fun story I like to tell to really show the people how less experienced I had in business. I came to the accelerators and everybody was talking about CEOs and stuff. And I asked another participant that time, I whispered to her, like, can you tell me what a CEO is? I don't get it. And she was laughing so hard at this. And now looking back at the story and we are talking so much about it, we always have to laugh so hard because it's so crazy that now I am a CEO, like raising financing rounds and millions and <laughs> doing stuff like this. So. That was is my first advice to people going to Accelerator because I really learned all the basic knowledge, all the buzzwords, 
stuff around financing rounds, finance in general, I learned that at accelerators. Beside also, I'm very autodidactic, I would say, like I go into internet and actually talk to people a lot. And that's also a crucial experience I made that you have to build up your network and talk to people around different topics. And especially people in Berlin, they will help you. They will connect you again and they will help you and they share your knowledge with you. And that was so, so good. And that's also actually one of the reasons I moved to Berlin. I mean, that was also one of your points is that after coming to Berlin uh, as a newcomer from, was it Cologne? Yes. Completely different scene, no network, no connection to this entrepreneurial scene. You build up your network in six months, basically. Yes, I did. And that's was, very speedy. <laughs> yeah, it was speedy, but it felt so good. And it felt, it came so naturally, you know. It was also not coincidence, but it came naturally because I was looking for a co-founder back then. And when you were looking for a co-founder, I mean, I was talking to 100 and plus potential co-founders. So I was talking to a lot, a lot of people. Do you know someone? Do you know somebody? And that's why I built my network up very fast. But it came naturally. And But I always keep in mind that I'm very humbled, actually, because I'm, I'm very privileged also, right? So I'm coming from an academic family. I'm white girl, very privileged at that point. And I always like to point that out. You speak German. That's already, I feel like, so much easier to connect totally, in totally. Germany. Like I mean, I, maybe not for Berlin, because Berlin is so international. True, true. <laughs> but still, it, it does, it makes people more comfortable, yeah, right? Totally. When you speak their mm-hmm. mother tongue, it, it just yeah. clicks differently. Totally. Um, and I, I do feel that there's a lot of, like, founders who are maybe comes with international background. They just maybe not getting the all invitations they wish they did. Yeah, and that's always the question I get also from female founders, like, how did you do it? But... I always, always also say, like, it's a lot of luck, you know. And I heard the saying once that, and it's very interesting, that luck is what happens when preparations means opportunity. Yes. And I was raised really openly and I never was shy. I always enjoyed talking to stranger people. I was always curious what they were doing, stuff like this. I was prepared for this. Also, I uh, mixed my own creams and cosmetic when I was like eight or nine years old, like, I always prepared myself. Now that I'm in this position, I, I can I can remember for yeah, this. And you should not undermine yourself at all because, yes, you might have the background, but what I hear from you, like the energy, right, the attitude, you wrote to people, you were proactive, you made everything possible, and you probably got a lot of no's. You probably, there were moments of, like, challenging things. Like, we haven't even talked into, like, the parts where probably you felt very, yeah. like, confused and alone. I mean, you didn't have a founder at the beginning. But you kept on pushing. So I think that's just something that there's a lot of hard work put to it behind the scenes to make it happen now that you get supported by amazing investors. And then Tina Müller says, like, this is amazing founder of the year. It was crazy. <laughs> gonna, yeah. How does it feel to have Tina Müller, the former CEO of Douglas, as one of your angel investors, right? Is that correct? Yes. I mean, just one word. Amazing. <laughs> Tina Müller, I mean, she surely is one of the most smartest, funniest and genuine persons and businesswomen I know definitely. And she was on top of my investors list always. I'm not shy at all, but still reaching out to Tina Müller was not my goal because I thought she is way out of my league. So did you actually reach out? No. And that was the thing because how crazy is this that you are founding a cosmetic and health startup and someday 
Tina Müller reads out to you on LinkedIn. Oh, wow. And that just <laughs> felt like a dream. And we were over the moon. We couldn't believe it when we were freaking out, literally. And Tina is just the greatest person. Like she supported us from our one and she helped us whenever we needed something and also was open for our suggestions, also for our suggestions that she would be one of our angel investors. So that's amazing. She, she, never, she never thought about it. Uh, she just said yes. And um, it was a laugh story. At oh, first my sight. goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. And I mean, did this come before after also because you won the Douglas Prize mm -hmm. in beauty and health product innovation? Maybe you can explain what is this prize about? And yep. did you feel like you could leverage more things after getting that prize? Uh -huh, uh -huh. It felt crazy. Um, I mean, the jury of the Douglas um, Award um, is very well selected. So it was um, an honor to win that prize. It was actually before Tina came on board because on the stage, when she handed me the first prize, she was like, in front of all, are you searching for angel investors? And I was like, hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Sort of hit her up so after this. Yeah, she kind of like remembered there yeah, was this yeah, connection. Yeah. Okay. So um, it was crazy, crazy time because... It was, I remember well, end of the year and the time ran by so fast because we didn't only won the Douglas Prize. I also was on Business Punk Watchlist 2023 and also the number one in the category health. So anything happened so fast and so quick and we were just living on a cloud. It was just feeling like a dream coming from like the little pharmacy and having no business background at all to just um, win awards and being on watch list. It was crazy. And we never actually celebrated because we were so working so hard for our vision. But it was so important at that time because we got a lot of media attention through these awards. I mean, I felt very, very um, humbled and I was just feeling honored, but still we were getting a lot of media attention. And it was really crucial at that time because after the media bus, we started the financing round. So it was the perfect kickoff into the financing round with this media bus behind That's us. That's another, right? Like the cherry on top, because then it's way easier probably to convince totally, it to have those conversations. Totally. Also with the, I mean, we were if not afraid, but we were excited for this financing round. Economical world crisis. We have a D2C pr um, a consumer product. Most of the investors are investing into tech focused startups. So it was crazy. And now our lead investor is like a tech focused investor they never ever invested beside tech so it is crazy okay wow you see that's really impressive so tell me about so you had a financing round last year and now it's the second one yes we had a little financing round it was like a convertible loan round and it was um, through better ventures it was an angel club and um, several of these angels invested yeah and this year, uh, I think you just like last or two weeks ago, you just closed. Yeah, actually it was in April we closed. Okay. But um, it was, again, it was a thing on the clock. I don't know sometimes how things happen to me <laughs> like this. But it was, yeah, we, so as I said, we were really excited for this round. Never ever know what we are getting into, but we started. It was just going really, really well for us. And we never expected that. So after... Only three weeks, we reached our fundraising goal and it was crazy. So we had all these soft commitments and then we were like, okay, we are in a crisis. Just let's move on. Just let's see where we were getting and how far we can go. We don't even want to have a VC on board. So that was not even our plan. We always wanted to have it um, just a couple of good, really good um, business angels. And we have them right now. Like we have a crazy cool 
and smart and lovingly kept table. But then Dieter von Holzbrink Ventures came. Yeah, they just crossed our way <laughs> just before we wanted to close our financing round. Like it was really, it was really short. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we want to close now. And they were like, okay, we want to get in there. Like, hurry up, hurry up. And they wow. were so fast and they were so fast. And I think just short after we met, we closed. Yeah. How is it for you emotionally? Like having this, it's the first pre-seed round, like, right? Yeah. So it feels yeah, yeah, like a yeah. roller coaster. It is. I mean, first you are excited, you are afraid, then you are excited. And it's always a roller coaster, but with an upward tendency. And I always think it cannot get much better anymore, but it still gets. And I always am afraid when it's going down again. And I'm like, tackle myself up in the roller coaster to wait till it's get done, but still gets up. And um, I mean, it's crazy, but it's so cool to have the opportunity to experience stuff like this. And so tell me, I mean, now that you have the pre-seed round closed, like what's ahead of you in terms of building and product lines? Uh -huh. What are you thinking about? That's a good question. I mean, we are doing so great with the Intimate Cream and we are getting so much good feedback on that, that we are in very close contact with our community and our customers and they send me messages daily what other problems they have and that's a good base to build other products so i can definitely say that um, we are launching two other products oh, this two. year yes um, maybe three let's see but um, there are definitely two products in the pipeline one um, in the pipeline for launch in july and another one maybe in autumn okay and is it then aimed at a different age group or i mean we are always aiming at a lot of women also the vaginal dryness topic you can have vaginal dryness when you are younger yeah but most of the women actually are older <laughs> but the other products are more wide range age the episode actually will be released in july <laughs> <laughs> yay so go to our online shop www.drvivienkarl.com how does it make you feel the product line and the brand is basically exactly your name right dr vivian karl Yeah, I never really got it. Like, it never felt, still doesn't feel very comfortable. Let's take this. It was just a coincidence back then. I had several other brand names. The lawyer always told me, we can't do this, we can't do that because of other brand names. And then I guess some investor and some friend told me, let's just do Dr. Brand out of it. Like, there are so many great facial skincare, Dr. Barbara Sturm, Dr. Hauschke, and why don't you do it for the intimate area? And I was like, okay, that feels weird, but just let's get started because nobody can take my own name away from me. So the brand is for sure. And I can change it anyway if I want to. Yeah. Fast moving forward. <laughs> I think it works perfectly. I think it, it really sticks because, like, I think I saw it a couple of times also on, you know, coming across the Douglas announcement about the prices and then it just stayed with me. Like, that's why I also reached out because like I, I just remembered it. I had your name and then I saw it again and then it was like, that's her, that's the product. I need to reach out to her. So, that's good to know. <laughs> so it, it really works and it's very easy to remember, at least for me. But I haven't asked about your co-founder and I did want to ask because so you were searching for a co-founder And who is that person? And who were you actually trying to find to really support you? My co-founder is my better half, Julia. She's just amazing. And it was a long, long way to find her. I mean, I was searching more than eight months for her, Julia. And well, yeah. eight months is not that bad. I mean, I mean some it, was, people... it was crazy because I was doing my PhD, working in the pharmacy, looking for a co It was crazy, that's right. 
So um, it was very exhausting to talk to so many people. But the more you talk to people, the more you know for yourself what you want. And it was a fun story because I met Lea-Sophie Kramer, the founder of Amorelli at a, at a business event. And she was very helpful and reposted on Instagram stories that I was looking for a co-founder. So she was helping me with her huge, huge community who um, is following her. And then Julia reaches out like many, many others that day. And I um, had a call with her very quick and we met for lunch just after. And we had this one hour lunch and I was a thousand percent sure that she is the one because Julia is just amazing. That like, was a quick. She, it <laughs> was yeah, it was a quick. And one month um, later, we were um, sitting at the notary, and I was getting oh, her wow. into it. Yeah, because it was, usually there's like a list of like I do know. those ten things together. I check mean, off we the... we were doing like fifty questions for co-founders, right. stuff like this, and we did coaching before the notary appointment. Like we tried to really get these things done, but she is the most warm-hearted, funniest, and also smartest person I know. Like. She is just the perfect match and she has um, is actually an expert in branding, marketing. She did the uh, global branding for the premium sex toy womanizer. We got to know each other, have the same humor, uh, just on one wave, you know, swimming on one wave. That's and it was perfect. crazy good and felt crazy good. And so. then bringing different expertise also. Totally, totally. Yeah, so it went very naturally. I love it. she just came on board. I love that story. There is something you mentioned uh, when we were writing to each other that I was surprised because when I was reading your story, when now getting to know you, you feel extremely like passionate, energetic, a woman that really onto something, knows what is happening, very resilient. But yet you mentioned that you were actually not resilient. Like, how is that possible? I think it's funny because I would ask you again back, what's the definition of resilient? And for me, it's to stay calm in extreme situations. And I can totally say that I do not stay calm in extreme situations like that. Let it be bad or good situations. And I guess it's also normal because I'm emotionally so attached to my startup, to my own baby. And at the end, I mean, it's also a biochemical process that what happens when the sympathicus starts, your heart is raising, you get... Um, so many thoughts in your for, head. For me, resilience is like, it's not staying calm, but executing under a lot of pressure. Like being able to continue. Oh, I can do that for sure. <laughs> so that's for me, resilience. Because yeah. like what happens in the background, like if you're like all over the place, if you're calm, or if you're going all over, that doesn't matter. I mean, that's yeah. like emotional human reaction. But for me, resilience is someone who is like under a lot of stress and they're still on it. They're still delivering. Okay, I can definitely do it. But for me, it's also like to stay mentally focused. You know what I mean? And I mean, there were so hard times, especially at the beginning of the year that really drained me emotionally, physically exhausted. At the end, we always did it well, but sometimes so hard for me to get through these situations. I wish I would stay more, more focused, more calm. And that's actually one big thing I am working on right now like I want to have more inner peace want to stay more in my element this also applies again for good experience like I am so enthusiastic and you can get my energy and my passion with so little so I want to be like more calm to, to, to like distribute smartly your energy <laughs> but yes. but also don't because I think that's you that's your personality if I was listening to this episode, I would just really feel empowered to start something because I think your story 
tell us that, yes, you can start something from scratch. You totally. just need to be persistent and you will pick up the knowledge, you'll pick up the network. Yeah. It's just you being proactive and making those choices. But also you can stay yourself. Like you do not be need to become a boss lady. You can stay very humble, energetic and friendly. And I feel like, I don't know you <laughs> obviously, but I feel like your personality maybe hasn't changed before you were a founder through the founding story and now yeah. it's not that you've become a different person to prove yourself. You've maintained your no. persona, personality, your character. And sometimes people are afraid that, oh, if I need to go through something, I need to adapt. I need to be like this uh, more assertive. I need to become different, uh, show kind of different leadership. But that doesn't feel that's the case for you. Not and at that's all. what finds, I would say, I would be very empowered because that would make me feel comfortable mm -hmm. doing something. I think it's so interesting because I never ever thought about it, me changing my personality through it because that was never my plan. Maybe I did, but it's more like I'm working with my inner self more than I did before. I'm doing coaching, stuff like this. My energy and my passion and my personality in general did never change. And that's also awesome. Yeah. But you said you were doing coaching. So there's yes. some, in what way is someone supporting you? I mean, I do coaching with Julia, my co-founder. We always, lately we didn't, uh, we, we have to go again because I think you have to do also when everything is great. And it, we want to do it regularly, actually, the coaching to just work on our relationship. And then I just had a personal therapist, stuff like this. I have groups of inner working groups who just experience inner work together, experience some kind of special energy. So there are special groups that you exchange special energy. Yes. That also plays kind of adds to that, helps you with finding that balance and reconnect. I am really loving it. So we are coming to an end of our conversation, unfortunately, but you just like kind of drew through me on the Ferrari for this conversation very elegantly, but also very like in a very energetic, smooth way. I did wanted to ask you because I feel that you're a person who just always checks on things, explores, does research, very curious. Where is your ultimate goal? And I know it's not the most interesting question, like where do you see yourself in five years? Mm -hmm. But if you could, and then given that so many things have been happening for you in the last three years, probably there's some new synapses that allowed you to imagine yourself like, what if I will can do this? What if I make that impact? What is that bold dream that is growing deep inside your heart? By now, I just have the focus on my baby, the startup. Like Our vision is that no woman on this world has to suffer from intimate discomfort anymore. And I just focus on that and... I'm not the person who thinks a lot about the future in terms of what am I doing after that? I don't know what I'm doing after that. I just so focused, so focused on our business, on our vision and our mission. It's, it just drives me so much. And I don't want to get my energy into things that are so far away and, and nobody really can plan. So, But I live for freedom. Like I always want to have freedom to work on the stuff that I want to work, you know, and that's my ultimate goal to just have freedom in life. Amazing. So freedom, probably more products than you, more experimenting in the laboratory. Vivian, I'm very curious to know who would you like to highlight on today's episode as your ultimate woman author of achievement? I think it's Julia, my co-founder, because she's doing such an amazing job. You have to know that she is a mom of an almost two-year-old, a girl. She's awesome. Really love her. And Julia is such 
a good mother and a great business partner. She is um, obviously a great wife to her husband. She's a great friend. So she is doing it all at once. And she's just overwhelming me day by day. Like she is doing it all. She is crazy cool. Love her. You both sound like a perfect founder match. And you both, I feel like you have such a great energy. I'm like, what kind of energy group you're part of? Like, <laughs> where do I sign up? <laughs> like, telling I need, you after. <laughs> I need that more of that. Vivian, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm so, so happy we found a time. And I'm so happy that I reached out to you and you shared your story and you are among other guests telling what it means to be a founder, telling it what it means to be a woman that is uh, an author of her own achievement or own success. And I think you're such a great example of how you crafted your story, your lifeline, and you are actually creating something that impacts real people. And it's just so fascinating. And I just uh, really excited for your journey. I'm super curious about the two other product launches and wishing you all the success and luck that is always following you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh my God, thank you so much. I feel so honored to be here. Thank you for our conversation. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening and we're looking forward to being back soon.